2 Samuel chapter 7. I also want to say that you'll notice in the lobby there's no photo booth for a photo op today. And that's because secretly dads hate them. So I just, just wanted to share that. We put them up for moms. Moms love them. Dads despise them. So there's no photo op for you in the lobby today. But if you want to take a family picture, man, there is a, a gorgeous backdrop of a field uh, right out of our parking lot down. And man, it is really cool. I know it sounds funny, uh, but I saw some, some, some folks who chose to take pictures there a few weeks ago or a few months ago, and those pictures turn out gorgeous. So if you do want to take a family photo today, man, use that field. It's it's beautiful. Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 14 through 15 and it reads like this. I will be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and the obstacles of this mortal life, but I'll never remove my gracious love from him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house today. Lord, we pray that you would just have your way in this service, have your way in this message. Lord, that you would bless our hearts. Father, I pray today that men would be inspired, that men would be encouraged, that men would leave here uh, ready to do whatever it is that you ask them to do. And we believe that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Today, I want to talk about the legacy of a father. And I know a lot of times, uh, most times in church, uh, we don't generally have a message that's to a specific group of people in the church. But how many of you know that a father impacts everybody's life, right? A father can impact your life for the good or a father can impact your life for the bad, but a father impacts everybody's life. And the, and the better that we get our dads, and the better that we get our husbands, and the better that we get our fathers, the better off that everybody is. Amen? Amen. Uh, a lot of times our temptation uh, is to switch the focus and move towards single moms, and I don't want to do that today. Because I don't want to take away anything from the importance of what God has planned and laid on the shoulders of a father. Amen. There's plenty of other times that I, I support and love our single moms. But just for today, just for today, I want to talk about the importance of a dad. The importance of a male role model in your life. The importance that God placed on the man. So this scripture that we just read is in reference to Solomon and God speaking to him as a son. So we see in this scripture, even in the Old Testament, we see God the Father. So when Jesus came along and he taught us to pray to God as a father, uh, that wasn't the first time in scripture that we see that. But all through the Old Testament even, God was reacting and responding as a father. And we see it in the scripture as he's talking uh, about Solomon. He's talking about Solomon. He says about Solomon, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and the obstacles of this life, but I'll never remove my gracious love from him. That as a dad, that we're supposed to have the characteristics of our heavenly father. That as a dad, we have at our fingertips the characteristics 
grace of the Heavenly Father that we can apply to our own life and apply to our own families, apply to our own marriages, apply to, to our own walk with Christ so that we can apply to our life as a whole. So, so God knew that Solomon at the end of his life would be lost in idolatry. Right, Solomon started off uh, really, really well. He built the temple. Uh, he asked God for wisdom. He became one of the wisest men in the land. And then towards the end of Solomon's life, he got lost in idolatry. And how do you know, Pastor Steve, that he got lost in idolatry? Because he had a harem. Uh, he had over a thousand women uh, in a harem. He got lost somewhere along the way. And God is saying, I will discipline him in these usual ways, uh, but... Even so, even in Solomon's case, and even in the case where Solomon messed up and did wrong, God says, I will still never remove my gracious love from him. Right? That's a promise that we have from God today as men. Amen? That even when we mess up, God says, I will never remove my gracious love from you. That all we have to do is turn back to him, even in those moments where we've done wrong, and even in those moments where we let people down in our lives, and even in those moments where we messed up, we get to go to a gracious, loving God in repentance and find a God who will speak into our lives and build us back up. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm, great. I'm grateful for a heavenly father. I'm grateful for the best heavenly father you could ask for. He's the best dad uh, that we have. Amen? I'm grateful for that. So even though he knew Solomon was going to mess up, he still put that proclamation out there that I will never remove my gracious love from him. So there's some traits of God that are distributed through the heart of a father. But it's best when that father is submitted to the Lord and to the kingdom of God. So it works best when those, when those traits show up the most is when a dad's heart is, is leaning towards the kingdom of God. When a dad's heart is leaning towards God and the kingdom of God, then the traits of the heavenly father begin to flow through him to his kids and to his wife and to the people that are, that are in his home. Amen? So, so God the father disciplines those he loves, but not out of anger. He disciplines those he loves out of necessity. Amen. A, a lot of times if we had the kids in the room and we said, are, uh, would you be happy? Are you happy when your dad disciplines you? Most of the kids would be like, no, man. No, absolutely not. I'm not happy when I get disciplined by my dad. But if you ask some adults in the room who had a godly father growing up and you say, are you happy that your dad disciplined you when you were younger? Uh, most adults today, if it was done in a godly way and he was a godly father, most adults today would be like, I am so grateful that my, that my father disciplined me uh, growing up. I'm so grateful because I'm on, a, I'm on the path I am because my dad disciplined me growing up, right? And, uh, and so in these traits that show up in the heart of a father are best when that father is submitted in his own heart to the Lord, submitted to God. So God the Father disciplines those uh, out of necessity, but he does it with kindness. Amen. How many of you know dads that we can discipline our kids with kindness? We can discipline our kids with a heart of love. That it doesn't have to be uh, out of anger, but it can be out of kindness and it can be out of necessity. So three traits we see in the scripture is a father after the heart of God disciplines his kids out of necessity. The second thing is this, a father never removes his gracious love from his children. And a father after the heart of God pursues his children's hearts even after they've grown up. 
Amen. That a father after the heart of God pursues his kid's heart, not until they're 18 and 30, right? When they turn 18, they got 30 days to get out, right? Not that, but a father pursues the heart of his children, even when they're old. And, and can I tell you this today, that a father pursues the hearts of his kids, even when they don't want him to. A father submitted to the heart of God pursues his kids even in those times that his kids don't want him to. And that's a, that's a trait that God places within fathers. So in the beginning, if we go back to Genesis and we look at what God did and, what, and how God set up the family structure, if we go back to Genesis, in Genesis one twenty six, it says this, God said, let us make men in our own image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. Hallelujah. How many of you are grateful there's male and there's female, right? That God created two genders, just so you know, just in case you're wondering, just in case you're worried about it. God created two genders. He made them male and female. He created them. So God created man to not only be a part of an earthly kingdom, but to rule within an earthly kingdom. When God created man, it says in the scripture, he gave him dominion over the earth. What dominion over the earth means is that he created man to rule over the fish of the sea. Amen. How many of you are fishermen? Hallelujah, right? He gave us dominion to rule over the fish of the sea, to rule over the beasts of the earth. How many of you are hunters, right? He gave you dominion to rule over the beasts of the earth, rule over the fish of the sea, but he gave us dominion to rule in the kingdom of God. How many of you are aware today that the kingdom of God is something that's on this earth? Right? The kingdom of God is not an abstract thing that's in heaven, but the kingdom of God is something that's on this earth. And God created man to stand firm and be strong and rule within the kingdom of God on this earth. So how many of you know God's design for man was not to be weak? Y'all got quiet on me. Whew. I, I, man, y'all mind if I get some stuff off my chest this morning? We, we live in a society that has been designed to beat down men. A society has been structured and designed to beat men down and, and make them something that they're not. The society that we're in today is pushing an agenda that anybody can be a man even if you have a womb. Even if you were born a woman, you can be a man. We're in a society today that takes manhood and makes it common. That takes manhood and makes it weak. That takes manhood and says there's nothing unique about a man. Can I tell you today that in your home and in your households and in your families, you better celebrate men, especially men who are, who are tuned in to the heart of God, right? Because God didn't design men to be weak and beat down. God didn't design men to be angry and bitter all the time. God didn't design men to be sinful, to be depressed, to be discouraged. But he designed men to be strong, to be courageous, to be men after his own heart who are leaders. Leaders in our marriages. 
Leaders in our families. Leaders in our churches. Leaders in our community. When I opened this service, I was a little harsh. I said, man, sometimes I get angry because Father's Day is so little attended. But can I tell you today, it's only because I have the heart after God for man. That man on Father's Day, uh, man uh, on Father's Day of all days should be the day that a man proudly gets up. It gets his kids ready and walks them into church and sets the example that before God is where we're going to be. Before God, God is whom we're going to serve, right? I'm going to set an example and an inheritance for my family. What kind of inheritance? Not just an inheritance of money, although that's nice. And not just an inheritance of property, although that's nice. But I'm going to give an inheritance to my kids that they can walk in a power and authority that this world knows nothing about. They can, they can walk in a power and authority that they can't get from any other source. As a father, as a dad, as a stepdad, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to, I'm going to set an example for my kids that my kids can have an inheritance like they never dreamed. My kids can have an inheritance that lasts for eternity, not something that rusts and, and falls away. My kids can have an inheritance that lasts for eternity, not just money that comes and goes with the economy. Right? But my kids can have an inheritance that lasts forever. That, that the best inheritance that we dads can give our kids is to make sure that our kids get to heaven. To make sure that our kids get to heaven. But above and beyond that... To make sure that our kids understand that they can rule in the kingdom of God while their feet are planted on this earth. Amen. That our kids can rule. That our kids can have dominion over the things that are taking us out. Too many times men today are being taken out by things that you have dominion over. But you're letting it take you out. But God said you have dominion over it. But you're letting it take you out, right? Too many times today we're letting, we're letting things that we have dominion over take us out. Can I tell you today, guys, you can't wait till you get to heaven to be a man of God. In heaven, we're, we're going to all be doing the same thing, right? We're all going to be worshiping God. We're all going to be uh, not doing the same thing. We're, we're going to have different things going on. But, but in heaven, we're not going to be dealing with our flesh. We're not going to have to take dominion over the enemy and dominion over demonic and dominion over the devil and, and his influence. In heaven, it's going to be different. But here on earth... We can walk in power and authority and dominion over those things that come against us, right? That God said that we can have it. So, so in this moment, uh, as a kingdom, how many you know earth is like a colony of heaven? So, so heaven is, is a kingdom and earth is a colony of that kingdom. It belongs to God, but you have to understand kingdom colonizations, you have to have an understanding for that. And, and when we deal with them as, as Americans and in our society, it's hard to understand uh, about kingdoms when we live in a republic. It's hard to understand how kingdoms work when we live in a republic where we vote in our, our president and we vote them back out. Right? It's hard to understand about kingdoms. We can't vote in Jesus. Jesus is king. He's Lord of lords. Right? We serve Jesus. You don't get to decide whether Jesus is king. You only get to decide whether you want to operate in that kingdom or not. Right? So as men, we, uh, we understand and make a decision that Jesus is king. And then we make a decision, are we going to operate in that kingdom or not? Am I going to take dominion that Jesus allowed me? Or am I going to stand back and let it overrun me? Right? Am I going to take the dominion that, that Jesus gives me or am I not? Am I going to stand back and not receive it? Right? So, so kingdom is this. It's a government that owns territory. 
but then impacts that territory with the king's personal will and intent, and he produces a citizenry of people that reflect his principles, his purposes, and his nature. When a kingdom takes over a territory, they change the language. When a kingdom takes over a territory, they come in with the principles and the morals of the king. Right? Whatever that king is dealing with, and we're talking about earthly kingdoms right now in this moment. When an earthly kingdom takes over a territory, they come in and oppose their, their, their education system. They, they impose their, 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 uh, their language. They impose the king's morals, whatever those, those morals happen to be. Well, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is all about colonization. And can I tell you today that men are called to be the generals in that colonization. That men are not called to stand back and be weak in the kingdom of God, but we're called to be the generals out front leading our family in the way of the colonization of the kingdom of God. And you say, well, man, that sounds kind of creepy. Pastor Steve, the way you're putting it. It's only creepy because we're Americans. It's only creepy because, hey, if we don't like a president, we can vote him out. If we like somebody else, we can vote them in. If we do this, majority rules in that case, right? That's not how a kingdom works. So it sounds foreign to us and it sounds different to us. But can I tell you today that when eternity is here and we're all in heaven and we're all in eternity, that the ruling governments of this earth aren't going to matter anymore. The things that are republics and democracies will pass away. And the only thing that will be left standing is the kingdom of God. Right? So it's understanding eternal things over temporary things. It's understanding eternal things for our family over temporal things for our family. That it's not about things that are going to pass away, but it's about eternal things in our life that we can give our family. Amen? Did I lose you guys yet? I know, man. I know it's a little different. So, so, so all kingdoms colonize, democracies and republics do not. Kingdoms colonize. Now, here's, here's the thing. The Bible is about a kingdom. When we read our Bible, it's about kingdom. When we dig into Scripture, it's written about kingdom. It's not written about a republic. It's not written about a democracy. It's written about kingdom. So we have to be kingdom minded when we read scripture so that we understand it. If you're reading scripture and you're not understanding where God is going with it, it may be because you're not kingdom minded, right? But if you give over your heart and your mind to God, the first thing the Holy Spirit will do will begin to transform your mind to make you kingdom minded. So when you open up the Bible and you open up scripture, you begin to understand what God is trying to do on this earth. You begin to understand it with a, with a different mindset. Amen? Amen. So the Bible is about kingdom, and thus the Bible is also about colonization. Because kingdoms colonize. So if the Bible is about kingdom, the Bible is also about colonization. How does colonization work in the kingdom of God? We spread the gospel, and we win souls for the what? And if you've been in Christendom for, for any length of time, we win souls for the what? For the kingdom. We use that phrasing, but do we understand it? We use that phrase, oh, I'm about winning souls for the kingdom. Okay, what kingdom? What kingdom are you about winning souls for? And why are you about winning souls for the kingdom? So you have to understand the what and the why to understand and have the, have the authority to, and the power that God gives us to walk in the kingdom so that we can see true change, not just in our own life, but in our families' lives and in our churches' lives, and in the communities that surround us, if we're kingdom-minded. 
So, so in this moment, spreading the gospel and the winning of souls is taking ground for the kingdom of God. And as men, we're supposed to be the generals. We're supposed to be the leaders. We're supposed to be the courageous ones. We're supposed to be stepping out and leading our families in such a way that they understand that we're impacting something for eternity, not just doing something temporal. Amen. It's about something eternity. It's about a legacy that we leave for our, our, our lives and our families. So unlike earthly kingdoms, heaven-based kingdom doesn't colonize through force. See, this is when we start talking about kingdoms and we start talking about colonization. These are some of the things that begin to pop up in our mind because we think about all the times that England uh, went and, and colonized places through force. That's not how God the Father works. Right? He doesn't colonize through force, but he colonized by offering something so valuable that people by their own free will come under the authority of God and decide to be a part of that kingdom. He offers something so valuable that when you see it, you, you, you would, like the man who found the treasure in the field, the pearl in the field, he went and sold everything he had to buy that field just to get that pearl. Right? That as a man, when we understand the kingdom of God, we would give up everything else we have to seek out and be able to lay hands on that and be able to, to leave that as a legacy for our families. Amen? Amen. Am I too deep today? It's, listen, man, this hit me on my pool deck about three days ago. Right? Hit me on my pool deck. I'm sitting on my pool deck by myself uh, in a seat at 6.30 in the morning with my MacBook. And I open it up and this stuff just starts pouring and it starts hitting me. So unlike earthly kingdoms, heaven-based kingdom does not colonize through force. But man is given the opportunity and the responsibility to have dominion over the earth. We just read that in Genesis 1. That he gave mankind dominion over the earth. He gave us the opportunity and he gave us the authority to do it. And he gave us the responsibility to do it. And then what happened? We lost it. We had it. Man, it was given to us. God entrusted it to us. And then we lost it. How do we lose it? By sin. Sin entered the world and man lost his dominion over the earth. And in that point in time, can I tell you this? My mind works kind of crazy, but I'm thinking before we lost dominion, lions would come and bow down before us, right? But after we lost dominion, we're running from them in the, in the wilderness, right? We lost dominion uh, that, that God implemented and put in place for man to have. And we lost it through sin. So sin entered the heart of man, and then we lost the privilege of having dominion given to us by God the Father, we handed dominion of the earth over to the devil. God gave it to us. We gave it to the devil. Right? Man, we messed up. And, and before y'all say, yeah, yeah, that's right. When I get to heaven, I'm going to give Adam a piece of my mind. Listen, if you were there, you might have messed it up too. If it was, if it was Brad and Eve, <laughs> he might have messed up too. Right? It doesn't matter that it was Adam. It was mankind. Mankind messed up in that moment and we gave dominion over to the earth. But I want you to, to notice something in that story. Eve took the fruit first and nothing happened. Eve took the first bite out of the fruit and nothing happened. But when Eve gave the apple to Adam and Adam bit of the fruit is when we lost dominion. That's because man was supposed to be the foundation of the structure of leading the way. 
But when Adam subjugated himself to sin at behest of his wife and she gave him the fruit and he ate of the fruit, it caused something that was, that was irreparable in that moment that God had to put a plan in place that thousands of years down the road to send Jesus to earth to repair what happened in that moment. Right? In that moment when man ate of it, it was irreparable. That's why we see sometimes in households and families uh, that when a woman uh, messes up, Sometimes you can repair that. But when a man messes up in a family, a lot of times it's, it's chosen to be irreparable. And it doesn't mean it has to be because through God all things uh, can be made whole. Right? But most of the times when it's the man that's messing up, it tears apart the family worse because the man is the foundation and the structure of the family. So the whole family can go sideways when the man messes up. So in this moment in Isaiah uh, uh, chapter, wow, throw it up on the screen for me, guys. I didn't put the, the chapter. I think it's 59. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 15 through 17, it reads like this. The Lord saw it. And what, what did he see? He saw the sin overtake the earth. He saw man give away dominion. He saw what he meant to happen getting corrupted. He saw the enemy taking roles that the enemy should never have had access to. When the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation. And his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Here's the good news. Jesus came to make all things right again. We handed dominion over to the enemy. We lost all power and authority in that moment of sin. We handed it over to Satan, right, in that moment. But Jesus came to get it all back. Jesus came to make things right again. Jesus came to put us in our rightful place. Jesus came to place us back where God had intended for us. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that today. Amen. Y'all are a little quiet, but I'm excited about that today. That Jesus came to make all things right again. Everything we messed up. Everything we did wrong. Everything that, that we handed to the enemy. Jesus came to make it all right again. So there's a grand picture of the cross that goes even above and beyond our individual selves. But that Jesus gives us mankind, male and female, who are in allegiance to him as sovereign Lord, back the privilege of having dominion over all things on the earth again. That he gives man and woman the privilege to have dominion again over all things. Hebrews chapter 2, 5 through 8 says this, It is not to angels that he has subjugated the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him? Remember that song? What is, I'm not going to try to sing it. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. What are we? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, listen to how he ends. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. 
God gave us dominion, set us up to rule. We handed it to the enemy. Jesus came and took it all back and gave us the opportunity to walk up to him and repent and receive it. And yet there's many men who, who we don't see walking as, as everything is subject to him as God, as God planned. So we, why, why is that? It's because as men, we continue to be distracted by sex and sexual idolatry. We get distracted by hobbies and games. And, and I got nothing against hobbies. I got nothing against playing games, but hobbies and games that take preference and priority in our life. We, we get distracted by men wanting to be women and women trying to be men. We get distracted in a world that pushes men into a box designed to keep a thumb on top of who God has given dominion. We're in this world. And man, gosh, I know this is, some of this is tight today, guys. I, I know it is. But you, you know the industry my wife works in. Right, and it's a she. She works to, uh, tirelessly in in an industry of pregnancy centers that that help women who are feel like abortion is their only option, right? And these women who feel like abortion is their only option, and they come to this place, and then they find, oh wow, I've got a support system in this ministry. I've got people who love me and care for me in this ministry. I've got people who will give me all the information and encourage me to make the right decision in this industry, right? And, and my wife sees that. And a lot of times my wife is dealing with couples. Now, now don't get me wrong. When a woman is pregnant, uh, is she, did she get there all by herself? She didn't, right? So when a woman is pregnant, she didn't get there all by herself. And that baby is half her seed and half his seed. But in this moment, we see men and women sit in a counseling room and my wife will say, do you want the baby? And the, the wife will look at the man. And sometimes that man's even her husband. And she'll say, do we want the baby? And the man will say, that's your choice. And he lowers his head and he bows out of the conversation. Why? Because we're not leading It's going to take, it's going to take men in the church to grab a hold of men in society and teach them how to lead. Last year, we raised money and, and gave money to a fatherhood program at that center. That's a pregnancy center that has a fatherhood program. And as a church, we, we, about every six weeks, we buy meat and I smoke it and cook it and take it up there to feed those guys who are showing up to get discipled in proper biblical fatherhood. We do that as a church. We do that in our community. But can I tell you, it can't stop there. As men of God in the church, we need to constantly be looking for men who need our discipleship and need our guidance because that is colonization of the kingdom of God. That we can draw them in to the heart of the Father, to the mind of the Father, to the morals of the Father. When we can draw them into that, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes when there's a dad in the home. And everything changes when a dad gets up and leaves the home. 
everything changes, right? We've got to understand that. So, so what does having dominion look like, guys? First of all, we have to understand uh, that to have authority correctly, we have to be under authority. In order for us to walk in correct authority, man, that God has given us, we have to first be under authority. We have to be under the authority of God. We need to be submitted to the Lord as sovereign, and that sets us up to walk correctly as he intended for us to do. That we have to submit ourselves to God. So dominion, and I want to say this, dominion does not mean dictatorship. What dominion means is being a representative of God and his heart to the world. That's dominion. It's not dictatorship. It's not meanness. It's not acting nasty and rude and judgmental and and, and just uh, coming in full force. Dominion is representing God and his heart to a lost and dying world. It's representing. When people meet us, they should see a glimpse of God's heart for them. Right? That's the way that we're designed to do. So, so what does that look like? Uh, number one, we're displaying the fruits of the Spirit. Man, what better dad than a dad who displays the fruits of the Spirit? Listen, man, I tried for this. This is my goal and this is my aim. And sometimes I fall short. But when I fall short, I get back up. And I keep trying. But what better dad than a dad who walks in love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What better dad is there than a dad who's exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit in his home? A dad who's exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit to his family. Two, we walk in leadership while still being loving. We walk in leadership, but we're still loving. We're still kind. We still represent the heart of the Father. Three, we take authority over evil and don't allow it to reign in our families and our communities. We stand up. Like God, we hate what is evil and we love what is good. Right? We stand up and we take authority over evil. When evil tries to get in your house. When evil tries to get into your house. It shouldn't just be mama on her knees confronting it while, while papa is in the recliner watching football. It should be mama and papa arms linked confronting the evil that's trying to get into their house, right? Because dad, whew, I'm going to get in trouble with some ladies today. Men. You have a certain authority that God didn't place on women. That's why in the scriptures it says that women are the glory of man and man is the glory of God. There's a certain authority and a certain power that God placed on a man. And we're going to go there in just a minute and see why. But God placed a certain power and a certain authority on a man that when a man stands up in his household, when a man stands up and begins to battle evil in his household, something changes. And I'm not saying that women aren't powerful. Because I'll tell you what, my God is so faithful that when a man won't get off his butt, uh, he will honor the prayers of the woman. And he will move in that situation and take care of business. But I'm telling you, there's something different designed about it when a man takes the lead. It says, it's okay, baby. We're getting attacked by the demonic right now. There's evil coming against our household. But listen, you stay behind me. Take my hand. You better be praying in the spirit. And, and we're going to move forward, right? I, 
I, I, I've shown you guys a, an example before of, of, of a man and a woman and, and the correct posture in doing spiritual warfare as a husband and a wife is the wife is right here at the side. And a lot of times women have more wisdom. Just saying. But the wife right here at the side and the man leading the way. And the whole way the wife is whispering in his ear, baby, there's one behind you. Maybe there's one coming to the right. Honey, there's one coming to the left. Honey, you got to turn around. Turn around. Right there he is. And, and the woman is guiding the man, and the man is doing the fighting. There's something that happens in a household that's structured the way God intended it to be structured. There's something that changes. There's a new power and anointing and authority over that household when it happens. So how do we apply dominion and kingdom culture to our families? First of all, it's this, guys. The plan of God is for human interactions to look just like heavenly interactions. That God created us in, in, in remember what I said, uh, God created uh, uh, in our image, he said. Right? That there's a, there's a unity that we serve one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there's a unity amongst them and how they communicate. And that same unity is supposed to be happening between husband and wife in a household. That that same unity is supposed to be taking place. And sometimes it's not taking place because the man is lazy or not involved. And sometimes it's not taking place because the woman is over-involved and overstepping. But in either way, if the woman needs to take a step back and the man needs to take a step up, you got to come side by side and begin to do battle together. Right? That we've got to understand that. Uh, the human interactions need to reflect heavenly interactions. That's a mutual submission one to another. Mutual submission. It's understanding that, yes, God placed man and, and head of, of the household in a head place, but it's understanding that he also... Begins to talk to his wife in such a way that he respects and receives what she has to add to it. Man, Jessica and I, when we do marriage stuff, we, we always say that the, the husband is the CEO. But the wife is the board of directors. <laughs> Only person who can fire the CEO is the board of directors. <laughs> Only person who can tell the CEO whether he's doing a good job or a bad job are the board of directors. So men, be the CEO, make the decisions and lead. Why? Because God is going to hold you accountable for the decisions you make about your household. So lead and make those decisions. But women, make sure that you lovingly and respectfully continue to give feedback to your husband. And husbands, make sure that you receive her feedback with love and kindness. Right? And together, you build something amazing. Together, you go in a new way. So uh, the next thing is our language changes to reflect kingdom culture. And I mentioned that earlier, that our, our language changes to reflect kingdom culture. So Pastor Steve, are you talking about tongues? Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it. Tongues are a language change that reflects kingdom culture. When you come in, you, everybody has that opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and begin to have a prayer language and speak in tongues and, and, and opens you up to other giftings and things like that, right? But I'm, but I'm mostly talking about controlling our words. And we control our tongue. We control the things that are coming out of our mouth in a kingdom culture, right? We've been to, to reflect our Father in how we speak to each other. We reflect our Father in how we give and take with each other, how we communicate, right? So there's power of life or death 
in the tongue. Where does, what, where does that power come from? It's kingdom power. There's power of life and death in the tongue and how we communicate with each other. Next, we leave a legacy of kingdom culture for our families by example. Rather than a legacy of ourselves, which is shallow and self-centered, we leave a legacy of God in our families. We leave a legacy of kingdom culture to our kids and to our grandkids. We walk it out in such a way that your kids say, man, I want a husband like dad. We walk it out in such a way that our kids say, man, I want a, I want a father for my kids one day like my dad was for me. We walk it out in such a way that we reflect the heart of God that not only do they love God at the end of it, but they love us at the end of it. We leave this legacy of kingdom culture. So Matthew 4.17 says this, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? Jesus was preaching, not saying, repent because one day there's going to be a rapture that's going to come and take you from this earth and you want to make sure you make it to heaven. Jesus is saying, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven is right here. And if we repent and get our lives in line with the kingdom of heaven, if we repent and get our lives in line with the heart of God, then we get to walk in a newness and a power and authority that we never dreamed of. We get to do that. So I want to talk about this in reference to God. God spoke and universes came into existence. God spoke and galaxies were formed and planets were formed and suns were formed and moons were formed. God spoke and, and the earth was made. God spoke and the earth was filled with wildlife and animals. And then God reaches down with his hands and forms man. And then he breathes into the lungs of man and gives him life. And then out of man, he takes a rib and he forms a woman. And he made her look so much different. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> he gave her curves. He, he did the right thing. He made woman out of, out of the rib of man. Can I tell you this today? God is a good father because he doesn't just produce or reproduce. He sustains. God didn't just produce and reproduce us and build a planet, but he sustains it. God didn't just give us life. He sustains our life. So as a father yielded to the heart of God, these are the things we do. He provides. He nourishes. He disciplines. He molds. He grows what he produces. He loves what he produces. So we've been talking about buildings on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about God doing a building work in us and building us up and talking about all of this structure. And Every building requires a proper foundation. And in the same way that Pastor Kenny, as a, as a contractor and a builder uh, most of his life, in the same way that in order to build a beautiful home, he has to start by digging in the dirt. Amen? In the same way, God stooped down and dug in the dirt and created man. That goes to show us 
that man as created by God is the proper foundation. Man as created by God is designed to be the foundation of something beautiful. It's designed to be the foundation that all things stand on. The most beautiful buildings in the world start with a magnificent foundation. Man, I want to encourage you today to take the proper role as the foundation of your family. Take the proper role. Carry the weight for the structure. Carry the weight of it. Two, provide strength and a solid core for your home. Three, provide a place for something beautiful to be built. And let me encourage you, if your home is a shambles and your home's a mess because you haven't been the proper foundation, God is a God of restoration. God is a God of healing. God is a God of second and third and fourth and 15th chances. God is a God that gives you the ability to turn to him, repent, lay down, become the proper foundation so that the proper family can be built on it. Man, I want to encourage you to do that today. Can I tell you that that Satan knows that if he can crack the foundation, the house will be condemned? If he can mess the foundation up, he can take out the whole house. Whole house. Would you stand with me? I'm going to finish. I'm going to wrap up. Say, Pastor Steve, you're not your jovial self today. When God called me to ministry, there were two areas that God spoke to my heart that were the core of all ministry that he was going to call us to do. Those two areas were manhood and marriage. So when I have the opportunity and I get the moment to speak on manhood... I take it with the utmost seriousness. I take it with the utmost responsibility. God didn't give me that calling because I always got it right. God gave me that calling because I was willing. There were lots of years in my life that I I messed it up, man. I was not a proper foundation for my family. I was not a good example for my wife and kids. I wasn't getting it right. I was chasing the things that are temporal and I was not chasing the things that are eternal. And I was providing the things that were temporal, but I wasn't providing the things that were eternal. And then there came a moment when my foundation was cracked and the house almost fell that I had to make a decision. And in that moment, on my knees, I said, God, if you repair the foundation of my household, if you move in and you do something new in my family, God, I'll, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll do whatever it is that you ask me to do. And in that moment, like God breathed on me and he spoke to me to talk to men and to talk to marriages and today I encourage men that's why 
Don't get mad at me, ladies. You're so important and you hear my heart for you on a weekly basis. But today, I want to focus on men. Today, I want to know that men leave here understanding what's at stake. Today, I want to know that when men leave here, they can make that decision. Am I going to be the proper foundation for my house? Am I going to lay down my life so that a beautiful structure can be built? When, when we go anywhere in the world, we look at beautiful architecture. This, this room is gorgeous. The, the beams and the structure and the, the beauty of the wood. Even these old antique lights are gorgeous. But we look at the structure of this place, man, and you, you can just get lost in it. My wife told me this morning when it came in, she goes, honey, a, a great video, it just came to me, a great video shot would be just walking through with the camera aimed up at this gorgeous ceiling because you can get lost in that. But do you know that none of this was possible if a foundation wasn't laid? So in a world that's backwards and screwing it up and messing it up, what we say is, is men saying, no, I refuse to lay down and give my life to be the foundation for a proper family to be built. I want to be up here on the top. I want to be the beautiful thing at the top. And I want to stand on my family as a foundation. And then we get surprised when it cracks because it's flipped upside down. It's not the way God intended it. Men, be the foundation for your family. Lay down your life. Start chasing kingdom principles. Do kingdom things. And see what God does in your life. See what beautiful structure God builds on you. Amen. I'd like all the ladies to, to sit down. All the men to stand up. seven minutes. Men, would you come up to this altar and just make your way up here and stand across it if you can. As I look across this altar this morning, can I tell you guys something? I am thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're in this church. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you have uh, care enough about God and your families to be here today. To, to, to put God as a priority in your life. And as I look across this room, I see guys who are young and I see guys who are old. And I see guys who are not dads yet. And I see guys who are going to be dads. And I see guys who are dads to plenty. But I want to challenge everybody today that no matter what stage of life you're in and no matter where you're at, you still have an opportunity for a do-over if things aren't right. If you need to repair the breach, all you have to do is reach out to the one who does. All you have to do is reach out to God and God repairs the breach. And then being a model like Jesus who laid down his life for us we lay down our life for our wives, for our families, for our kids for our future kids
Some of you are, are, aren't married and don't have kids yet. But can I tell you, it starts now. It starts now. Don't, don't wait to be a man of God till you get to heaven. And don't wait to be a good husband and father until you are one. But it starts now. And some of you up here, Brother Jim, maybe you've never had kids of your own. But you have so much to give. You disciple every week, two times a week, Sundays and Tuesday mornings. You have so much to give. God has placed the heart of a father in you. And maybe he never gave you kids in your household, but he's given you kids in your church. He's given kids in your community. And I'm thankful for you. Ladies, would you just raise a hand and and just kind of put it forward towards these men? Dr. Art Garcia, where are you at? Sir, would you come up here? Would you pray over these men this morning? Won't you, brothers, won't you just grab the hand of the person next to you? Amen. Let's lock arms. Lock arms, okay? Father, we stand before you. We're humbled, God, by the calling that Pastor Steve said you've given us to be leaders, to be men that will lead. Men, Lord God, that will guide, protect. God, we present ourselves to you as the angels of God do in heaven. We ask you, Father, to sanctify us, to recommission us, anoint us afresh, because we cannot lead without you. And we cannot be in authority. We do not submit to your authority. So we say yes. We say yes, Father. Give us a fresh anointing this morning to serve our pastor, to serve our pastor as he, God, serves this church. May we serve him. Commission us anew, Father. We say yes to your will. We say yes to your will. And it's not by might. And it's not by power. It's by your spirit. We will do it in Jesus' name. Bless our families, our sons and our daughters, and may they see in us Jesus. May they see in us Jesus. And we'll give you the glory. Amen. 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 Guys, I give you one more charge. Go forth today and eat some meat. Hamburger, steak, chicken, whatever you feel. But go forth today and eat some meat. You're like, Pastor Steve, I'm a vegetarian. Stay after. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray over you. No, I'm I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Whatever you like to eat, go forth and eat it. God bless you guys. Have a great day.